chance on here. Pulisic picks up the loose ball and he could be in. Christian Pulisic for Chelsea, 1-0! Quick thinking by Alisson, and if Salah could lift it, still Salah, Salah! The Ghost Goal Podcast. Harry Kane scored an extra time off a rebound of a penalty to send England to their first international tournament final since 1966 when they won the World Cup at Wembley. Meanwhile, Jorginho scored the clinching penalty also at Wembley in Tuesday's semi-final to send the Italians from missing a World Cup last time out to the final of the Euros this time. It's going to set up a huge encounter on Sunday as Italy and England will play for the Euros title. We've got that to preview, plus a Copa America final uh, on Saturday at 8 p.m. between uh, Brazil and Argentina uh, that, as I teased last time, was uh, you know the one everyone wanted to see, but there's still a little disappointment here on the Ghost Goal podcast because uh, Javier, Peru just weren't quite good enough on, uh, on we weren't. We weren't. the other night. We had our chances. Brazil weren't amazing or anything. I mean, they... Uh, do, should we just, are we are we going to jump into this or should we save it for later? I mean, we're not going to talk about Peru, Colombia, so you might as well get your uh, your Peru sure, uh, yeah. I complaints thought, out now. I thought Peru played really really well. We um, set up a five at the back, which I didn't really think of, but that was a, a great move by Gareca to change something drastic from that first game where we played four at the back and lost four one. You know, they were up four nil. We got a consolation goal. It wasn't even close in this game. It took a, an incredible moment of brilliance from Neymar, you know, nutmegging two players and, and putting it in like a tap in for Paqueta, who Alex kind of teased it being like, you don't think Paqueta can, you know, do something like that? And then he went I don't, I don't and did it again, it. Alex. I hate you, I don't you, know Alex. if I teased it. I just, I just mentioned us. that he'd scored in the previous game. That's all I said. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Brazil went through at Saturday, 8 p.m., them in Argentina. Everyone wants to see that. Come on. And if Messi's going to win his first title I, I, I was just going to say that... It's the right you know, way to I, do it. I saw that. Yeah, I think that like what I saw Peru do made me think that on Sunday or on Saturday, Argentina can go and actually win this because while Neymar is like an incredible player, he's still such a just like a pansy and throws himself on the ground a bunch and just makes theatrics all the time. And, you know, the Brazilian players all buy into it and yeah, feed but, into but it. That's like par for the course in, in Comable. Like every player is doing that. <laughs> So yeah, I mean it's super. It's he's it's, just the best player out there, right. also doing that. So, uh, I think that like Peru had two very very good chances in the second half of that game where we could have you know tied the game and then forced penalties because there's no extra time um, in this tournament, which I've liked so far. By the way, that it's just gone to penalties if it's tied because screw all these players. It's made like, the getting second injured. half of games, yeah, more, more, more interesting, more intense, right? Yeah, people really going for for the win. But yeah, so the the thing that I'm scared of is their midfield. It's just it's not good Who's enough midfield? defensively. Brazil's, I oh, think Brazil's. Brazil. I think the way that Argentina play though, because Brazil are at home, they're able to get away with 
not maybe not playing their best team or having a couple players out or suspended, whatever it may be. Gabriel Jesus is going to be back for this final. Um, and I think he does kind of change the way this Brazil team plays. I don't know. It's, well, can it's, he get back in the team after two goals in a row? Brazil has done Paqueta. this many, many times against Lionel Messi. And well, yeah, well, I'm sure Lionel Messi will almost be happy. It's Brazil and not Chile. Cause uh, he's had so many heartbreaking final losses to Chile that, uh, yeah, I mean, Brazil may be the tougher task on paper, but I, I think they can do it. Argentina can do it. But I think so too. Do you, do you want to talk I about that so one too. more, like later on? Yeah. Uh, or do you want to? Because the the Euros right now. I, I just yeah, want you to right. get your words in about Peru right. before we yeah, preview we can, it we later. Can, we can do it, dive into it later. We're fresh off two semifinals from the Euros uh, that I just previously mentioned. Let's start with today's semifinal, though, since it's fresh in our minds to talk about. England beat Denmark two one after extra time. Uh, an amazing free kick from uh, Damsgaard in the, in the first half. Uh, then late in the, the first half, uh, an own goal from Simon Kier off a very nice passing move from Kane to Saka, who crossed it in for uh, it to go off Kier and into his own goal. And uh, then finally, the controversial penalty, penalty. I think it's fair to say it was controversial in extra time that uh, gave Harry Kane the, the, the penalty that he uh, was saved by Kasper Schmeichel and then Kane put in his own rebound. And uh, from there, it, it just didn't really seem like Denmark were going to get back into the game after that no, point. They, they had their chance. They took off their goal scores. Domsgaard, Dolberg. Yeah. You know, it was just they, they were trying to hold on for the penalties. It raises some questions for their, their, their coach, Schielmann. But at the same time, you have to stop and take a moment and look where this Denmark team started. I know I picked them to win the tournament. It felt like destiny was coming and... Uh, Destiny, the power of Destiny wasn't just quite enough, but it's still an incredible feat by them to start off the first game at home against Finland, a team they're already heavily favored against. Uh, they obviously lose their best player. Yeah, and one they of their, could have their flamed out of the tournament, Erickson. like not gotten out of the group stages, and no one would have right. batted an eye or said anything that, about it. That's kind of what I was putting off after that. I, I was kind of like, or maybe I, I should have phrased it better. Maybe I should have said something along the lines of, "No one will blame them if they do flame out of this tournament." But instead, they turn around, they have a good effort against Belgium in the second game and uh, eventually lose uh, after taking an early lead. And then they pound Russia 4-1 in the final game to seal their place in second, amazingly, uh, in, in that group behind Belgium. And then put another four goals past uh, Wales, another good performance against uh, the Czech Republic, and eventually uh, they, they just don't have enough juice. Uh, I, I think I think what we mentioned previously in uh, coming up to, to this game about them having to come from Baku... And England, you know, they, they they went to Rome. They had their first away trip of the entire tournament. Uh, but, you know, Rome to London is no, nothing close to Baku to London. And both basically have about the same amount of rest. So it, there were there were plenty of other forces working against Denmark in this. And it did just seem like they kind of ran out of gas. And I think once they took off Dolberg and Damsgaard at the same time, it seems like all of their attacking and counterattacking it, threat it was just, just it went, was just went one way traffic with for England at that point for the rest of the game. The Danes really had nothing else after that, which was yeah, I think it was disappointing. I don't think you wanted to. There was always that threat on the counterattack in that game of Domsgaard and Dolberg had some nice shots from outside the box. You know, Myler. Yeah, Myler played, but you know, once those two forward options went off, Poulsen and. Braithwaite especially, I, I've been, I've been down on him for a while. Yeah, I don't know why you leave <laughs> that guy on the entire time. I know that his work rate's really good; like he definitely presses and, and runs a lot. But it just seems like outside of like the occasional flick around the corner um, and like the hard work rate, he doesn't seem 
he's he's a very similar player to Yusuf Poulsen in that sense, where they're both kind of just hold up players, and their work rate off the ball is what they're why they're in teams, professional teams, but they're not natural goal scorers, and they're not gonna like do like beautiful through balls, or they're not gonna. You know, but, but this has been happening for a couple of rounds now, where they Hjelmund has taken off Damsgaard. It, it seems like Damsgaard and Dolberg are always the ones taken off with like thirty minutes to go in the game, which leads me to believe that the manager doesn't think they're they're fit enough to play the full ninety minutes, or he, he wants to. I, I, I can't really I kinda, figure it out. I kind of get that, this feeling though with international managers that senior players who have a ton of caps like Polson. You know who like were part of the the World Cup run in the last one. Like right. you just have to give him like 30, 35 minutes. Like you can't let a kid who's right. who has much, like a tenth of his caps or you know a fifth of his caps. Unless the the like yes, Dolberg's been playing fantastically, but unless he had scored in the game, I bet if Dolberg had scored, you know that he would have kept him. Well, no, well, like I said, he got taken off in the last game yeah, with a bunch of time left too, true. and it wasn't exactly Denmark running away with it, and he had scored in that game. So. That makes me think there's like, I don't want to say fitness issues. Maybe they're not at the point in their careers because they're both too young that they can't, you know, maintain that same intensity and that same uh, level of quality throughout the 90 minutes. It's just a guess. It's the only real uh, guess I can come up with. And the alternative is that he's incompetent. The, the, <laughs> so. other, the other thing is Christensen went down injured in the at the beginning of extra time. In that game, yeah, and then I wasn't. I wasn't going to mention it because it, 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 I mean, Joachim Anderson still did well. He did well. You know? He did. It wasn't. He didn't. It didn't have anything and to do with and like the, the penalty, penalty came from right. the other side. It came from the other side, but but uh, but it, it still would have sucked if Denmark had gotten to the final and then didn't have Christensen for that. So, I, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, if you're the Danes, your heads are obviously held very high. You had a phenomenal tournament exceeded all expectations they were the darlings of the tournament everyone was rooting for them wanted them to win they had a bunch of support and you know the danes are wonderful people my parents are there now they say they love the country it's beautiful they said that like expensive as fuck yeah, super expensive but yeah i just uh, can't can't be like happier for the danes that they had a nice tournament because this is this is a great team and the, the mixture of experience and of youth makes you think this is still going to be a, a strong, you know, Danish side going forward. And yeah, uh, like you can't say enough good things about this Danish side other than yeah, it was a little bit weird that they took off the attackers early on and and it led to a more defensive game. But honestly, I think they would have made it to to penalties if and and they would have pro- in my mind they were favored if they made it to penalties. That was his strategy and I think they they got robbed a little bit. Like that wasn't a penalty. Sterling does that shit all the time. We're 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 a Premier League podcast. How many times have we seen Raheem Sterling do that in a Premier League game and the refs just like get up, dude? Like he does that all the time where like he feels any type of contact in the box and he'll just like bundle himself over and dive on the ground and for me, it just wasn't enough contact. And it, yeah, people want to make out like football is not a contact sport, and it's it's completely ridiculous. Like it's it's not the rule that if a defender touches you in the box, that it's a penalty. That's not the rule at all. To be fair to Raheem, though, I would have been way more shit than I actually was if that was the case. <laughs> to be fair to Raheem, he was probably England's best player. Like he was just the entire game. He was, he's been their best player running, this entire tournament. He was running Denmark ragged, especially in the first half. He created a bunch of chances. Like he, he got Kane chances. He, he created chances. He, he's not on the score sheet today, but I mean, he was, he was, he was that, that care goal. Like, I mean, the entire time, the reason game. that happens is because of the good ball from Saka, but also because, you know, care knows he's got Raheem Sterling screaming into that area to tap it in. And, and he Raheem has to lay miss, out to try miss, and clear like, it. Almost a tap in right before that goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he put it right it, at Schmeichel. Right, he put it right at Schmeichel. But 
but again, but the Raheem point is he's fantastic. playing for England. He's playing the same role for England that uh, Hyunming Son does at Tottenham when he's playing off of Harry Kane. He's the one making those lung busting runs in behind when Kane drops deep and drops wide and play uh, plays like basically crosses in from wide areas. He had two of those chances in in this game today, and one he couldn't just yeah, get to. Yeah, that through ball he played to Saka was, was unbelievable. That was yeah. such a like the, the fact that your center forward did that, like your striker. It's it makes your team just you, you have so many possibilities of it opens so many doors for you. And yeah, I mean Bukayo Saka, I thought he was especially in the second half. He started really getting forward in the first half. You know, he was doing more defensive work, but still got the the assist. Um, and what would have been Raheem was going to tap it in. I mean, the ball was going to get in the back of the net one way or another. But yeah, just happy for him. He's definitely. I'm, I'm almost sure now he's going to start the final. I mean, it just looks like he's he's nailed on to play because well, of what because of what he's done so far in the tournament. And I think it's just like it's the fact that Jaden Sancho had such a good performance in the last game, played the full 90 minutes, and then Southgate didn't even bring him on in this game shows you how much. I, I think I think we don't know. Like they're going to analyze the 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 Italy matchup, which we'll obviously preview here in a sec. They'll they'll look to see because I mean Phil Foden got Phil Foden got his first minutes in this uh, since I think the Scotland game uh, in this game today. They brought him on in the in either an extra time or near the end of the second half. And you know Phil Foden is you know one of probably one of the three to five best players in this team, and he just straight up didn't play from the last group game until the semi final. So. We don't know what Gareth Southgate's going to do. He's going to look at the matchup and decide which players best suit the style that he thinks is going to win the game. Um, and maybe Saka is a part of that. I wouldn't be surprised if he was, because like you said, he's had, uh, has it been two really good performances? Czech Republic and now this? No, I think three. I think also well, well, in the did group he play stage, the, he had... Um, you mean the Germany game? Yeah, he played the Germany game as well. Okay, so I mentioned the Czech Republic game. So then the Germany game. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, and now it seems like Jack Grealish is pretty much a fixture off the bench. So much so that uh, when England got the lead in extra time, Gareth Southgate even had the balls to take him off to switch to a three-four-three with uh, Luke Shaw at left wing back and bring on Trippier to play right wing back, and then have that Stones, Maguire, Kyle Walker back three to sort of you know see out the game. And Denmark couldn't even get close to them, and I think that's where mostly the tired legs for Denmark came in. But also England were just you know excellent in possession. They had and, Jordan and it Henderson has to be come said, on. It has to be said, like I do, I do think that the Danes deserve to at least get its penalties. But England were the better team. You could see the entire game they were. off the balance of play. Off the balance yeah. of play, like England had so many chances, they had the ball more. The Danes, like we said, literally after the 60th minute, just stopped attacking just really just we're ready well, to hunger they down. tried they just they just didn't have it in them they just the gas, gas tank was on empty i mean they, even then they, maybe, no, they were able no to win chances. a couple of corners and, yeah, and yeah, things but like that there was that, no chances i mean it was there was nothing even like yeah. remotely close to a goal after that those they two, were living the on two, a the two creative point. players came <laughs> off and i mean even before that even when they had their full team and they were refreshed at the beginning england still had the better chances and the better of the play and possession so it, you can't fault england winning this game you have to say that like the most exciting final is probably this is probably you know if it had been Denmark yeah. Italy, like it could have been like a nil nil or like a one nil. I don't think that's going to happen now. I think we're going to get more goals and it's going to be more of a fun game. Well, and I don't know. Speaking of Italy, the uh, the Italians it wasn't always pretty. It was kind of similar to that Austria game, but they uh, they got the goal they needed, conceded to an Alvaro Morata goal. Uh, late in the second half and just sort of managed to hold on until penalties. 
And uh, I'm going to say it now. Fucking I've heard Spain, this theory. Fucking Spain, I've heard this man. theory floated out there a couple times uh, on you know other podcasts that I regularly listen to, and I think it's got some legs to it. It's that teams that have already taken part in a penalty shootout, either in the last round or previously in the tournament, I think it's safe to say they're at a disadvantage when they come up to another penalty shootout. I mean, the first time I heard this this theory like floated out there, maybe it was previous tournaments, but first time this year was yeah, because you get that to see Spain, all Switzerland of the, you one. get to see like center backs or you get to see the order, you get to see everything, right. you get to see how they want to, how they like to take their penalties. I mean, it doesn't guarantee, but it's still footage. It's still yeah, <laughs> right. it's still an actually advantage. actually it, it, the, what makes me believe in it less is the fact that Danny Olmo just blasts that penalty over the bar. Absolutely, I mean, I, I really like Danny Olmo. I, I was truly surprised when that happened, uh, but I mean, it, obviously shows you the the level of pressure that's on these players in in those penalty kicks but then i was not surprised when alvaro morata walked up even after scoring that very nice equalizer on a lovely move i I just knew in my bones i was just like oh well this isn't going in he doesn't look confident he looks like he's about to shit himself uh so yeah he missed uh, and right afterwards Jorginho stepped up to take the winning penalty and you knew uh, he was gonna score i knew he was gonna score i was just like oh like he's he's missed a bunch of penalties this season right he missed a bunch of penalties early on this season uh when the team overto was starting to get a couple chances at penalties and you know fucked that up for himself but then you know in the run into the season as every player in the chelsea squad started playing really well he was put back on penalties and he didn't miss from there when when you need someone to score a penalty I think I would take Eden Hazard first and Jorginho second. And that's just like, there's obviously players that are probably better at taking penalties, but those are the two players I've watched the most that I trust like to to take a penalty that's Frank? super important. Not even Frank. I wouldn't even put Frank in the same level as Eden and uh, Jorginho. I don't know about because that. Penalties, he, because he penalties have so progressed to a point. He in like big games. He did. He did. But penalties have progressed to a point where... Uh, Eden and Jorginho have got it down to a science where both those players, maybe they're not the exact same penalty technique, but they watch the keeper the entire time. And they, any of them. they change the mind games of penalties from it being the penalty taker themselves, like shitting themselves about what to do, to I'm going to flip this on you, and now you as a goalkeeper are going to have to make the decision, and I'll get to react to your decision. All while like keeping the control of watching the keeper and seeing which way they go, then they're just good enough that they can put it on the opposite side at the last second. It's it, they make it look easy, but it's very very hard to do. Ne- Neymar is actually uh, quite good but, at that as well. Yeah, he is. Yeah, but you're right. We have to talk about Spain because I feel like okay. me especially, it, it, I have I have much, like underrated Spain this same, whole yeah, tournament. It was the same. It was the same shit. I mean, they let's let's be honest. They dominated Italy in possession. That was not. I I I was shocked. At how much possession yeah, I was they, they were they had and like how little how much work off the ball Italy were forced to do, especially in the first half. In the second half, it was obviously I think closer a game, Italy got the goal. Spain then equalized. But I mean it, it, Spain had so many chances again. Donnarumma made six, seven really, really good saves. I mean, he was monstrous throughout the regular time and in extra time. And like you said, I mean just the fact that the, the penalty shootouts, I, I don't know. I I I, th- I think on the run of play Spain probably deserved to go through but Italy you can't begrudge them either it's not like they had a bad game you know they they took their one of the like one of their few chances that they got oh Federico Chiesa yeah and it was and I mean he was but he was by far I think Italy's best player since since the moment that he came on as a substitute in the last game and then from from the start of this game, he was really the I mean, only player the, that you uh, thought the Austria game. Yes, the he, Austria game. They came on and scored the uh, the first he's goal. He's the only player that you really thought 
okay, this guy can hurt Spain. And he forced, you know, Unai Simone into, I think, an early save um, and then ended well, up getting getting his goal, which was beautiful. Well, because beautifully the Italian. Well taken. The, the Italian forwards, I think it's important to say, they're all like very good technically. Even, you know, Chiro Mobile, center forward, Unai has Simone had the best did, tournament. did like two or three really crazy, but, like he ran out of his box and like Chiro had a couple like half chances where like him and Chiesa and I think Insigne as well. He definitely showed his inexperience in this game. And the Italian and, forwards and Emerson had, some, as like, well. had some like, they weren't like good chances, but they were like, Simone kept coming out of his goal at inopportune times and they didn't take advantage. I don't think they got like shots on target yeah. in those situations, but they, they were. They could they have been up a couple situa- if they, they, were, if they yeah. were a bit more composed. If they were a bit more composed. But what I was going to say about the Italy forwards is that uh, Chiesa is special when compared to the rest of the Italy uh, forward players they have available to them because all of them are like very good technically. Uh, but you wouldn't describe any of them other than Chiesa as like pacey and powerful. He can like really stretch a defense and get in behind and still have the sort of technical ability to curve shots in like Insigne and, and Berardi. But. Those two players, maybe it's because they're you know a bit older and not as willing to do it, but they're, they're more likely to you know come short, receive the ball at their feet, and try and you know set up a passing move where they you know play a one-two or dribble he past kind, one or two people and then shoot. He kind of reminds me of like of young Maluda. I like that. He kind of like, he kind of he kind of. I'm a big fan of, of cross-racial uh, comparisons. He kind of like well, just like I'm just <laughs> anytime thinking there's of, like, one available, his, I'm all like, here for it. Speed, power, and he could he was like very good at cutting inside with his left. He played he played on the right, right? Yeah, Maluda. Uh, Maluda usually played on the left for Chelsea, but I mean he. he Played on the right for France and, you know, for Lyon before he came to Chelsea. So, yeah, he's, yeah, Kies is capable of that as well. He can play on either wing. You can maybe even play him as a, a false nine. I've seen that. He's play, him playing as a forward at UVA. But he's before. really young. He's only, what, 21, 22 years old. So, he's definitely going to be the, uh, the talisman for, for Italy going forward. Yeah, 100%. Um, but I, I do, I do just want to, you know, keep talking about the Spaniards for a bit because I feel like I have. Maybe not disrespected yeah, no, but them, just, but uh, I've just like not believed Ped- in them. Pedri was, and for them to get to a semifinal after those first couple of games in this tournament, like no one would have seen that. Did, did I see this correctly or am I wrong? I saw a statistic running around on Twitter saying that Pedri in that game completed 100% of his passes. Is that is that possible? Uh, yeah, that's true. Which yeah. is just, I've never heard, that. I've never even heard of a player coming close I, to I that. Think, I think over the last in two games, time, he played... He played 120 minutes in each of the games, and he completed or 91% of his passes over those 240 minutes. That's He's unreal. 18 years old. He just turned 18. And, like, you see him trying, maybe he like, just turned 17. I can't like remember. He's doing he's super only young. safe passes, like, back to the, to the like, center backs. Like, he's oh, trying, no, like, through all. balls and crosses. No, he's, and he's new age Iniesta. It's, he's, it's, the kid's unreal. He's, he's so good. Amazing. He's 18 years old, and he's so fun to watch. Like, that's what he's probably the player that I just enjoyed watching the most in that Italy game. I just thought that he, the way that he bossed the midfield... That we've been praising this Italy midfield as being like imperious so far this tournament, as no one's been able to to outpossess them, and we thought, well, maybe it would be like, you know, fifty five forty five Italy Spain, or maybe even sixty forties for Spain, but it was like yeah, yeah, seventy it was thirty, like, which is just in like, the first half at least. Yeah. Second half, Italy managed to get uh, you know a bit more of a foothold in midfield, um, but it was it was then, it was crazy to watch, yeah. Yeah, it was a great game too. It was, yeah, it was a great I, I mean, game. It I know was, not a lot of people don't was, love when it, it goes was a to classic, penalties, but it was a classic Spain versus Italy match where you know Italy's defense was phenomenal. I thought Chiellini and Benucci were just absolute walls. I even did thought you, that did you Lorenzo, see the housing by Chiellini before I even the thought penalties. Di, Di Lorenzo had had a game. He played he played pretty well as well. Yeah, he did. But did you see Chiellini's shithousing before the penalties? Him and Jordi Alba go up to do the, the coin toss before the yeah, penalties. Yeah, I saw that. Alba did and not And something happened that. on the first toss where, like, 
Chiellini was just like started joking around with him and like like bullying him, but in like a friendly enough way where Alba couldn't like really do anything about no, it or it freak was, out. I think it was he like she started he, hugging him. No, I think yeah, I think he said like heads and then changed to tails and then it ended up being like tails. And then he was like, oh, you cheated. And then like, oh, OK. And then the ref was like, no, you got it. So you pick. And then Chiellini's like, you cheated, like, like, and then I think that's what it was. But yeah, it didn't look like Alba was amused at all. Yeah, like Chiellini, like, like, hugged him and picked him up and stuff. And I was thinking, like, they've played against each other plenty of times, I'm sure, like Barcelona and Juventus, but they've never been teammates. Like, it didn't seem like a connection that was, like, close enough uh, beforehand that that it was realistic for that kind of, you know, interaction to happen yeah, like Chiellini's, it seemed like Chiellini was kind of like big man though. bossing him he was kind of like trying to get in his he head and trying to trying like to, yeah. shithouse a little bit and obviously worked but you have to you have to put some blame on some of the, the Spain penalty takers and uh, give uh, Donnarumma some of the credit as well Donnarumma just I don't think we've mentioned that he's left uh, AC Milan uh, to sign in uh, free agency basically for uh, PSG I don't know if that's official yet but it's basically it's basically going to official happen. yeah and yeah, that's a, it's a huge move for them, and like uh, a, a very. They obviously can't make it official till after the tournament because he's still in the tournament. So I'm sure AC Milan are kicking themselves that they couldn't, you know, sort of handle their business well enough to still have him on contract around now, so they could sell him for even well, more. He, he wanted, fresh off he this wanted good like of a some performance. insane amount of money, and I don't know. If yeah, I just I know. I just mean like even like a couple of years ago, giving him like a short term deal, so that around this time when they're playing in the in the Euros, like that's always an opportune time for a player. Or to sell him when he has a like a good tournament. So like now Sampdoria are in the place or in the spot with Mikhail Damsgaard where their chief executive can just say, Oh, we're not selling Damsgaard unless there's an offer that really impresses us, which basically just tells everyone it's gonna have to be like 50, 60 million, something like that, or go to hell. Which is so, ridiculous. He had two goals last season. Like no one's gonna pay more than yeah. like twenty five million for him. Just because well, he had a great tournament. Now they are. No, well, yeah, now they are. That's what I'm saying that. is that these tournaments have that kind of effect on people. It, it's happened plenty of times before where they're, they're, it just forces their their uh, price right up if they uh, they play well enough in these crunch situations. So, but well, yeah, no, uh, I, but, but let's pre. Do you want to preview uh, the, well, the wa- final? I just wanted to say if we're uh, going to talk about Italy more. Yeah, or do you no, I just wanted to say like I, I, yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about Spain because I thought it was interesting that Spain kind of. Especially in the in, in extra time, it almost seemed like they also wanted the penalties, which I wasn't sure why. Uh, like they almost like kind of stopped attacking, but Italy were just like unreal defensively, and that's what I'm not sure. These are gonna this the two best defensive teams are now in the final, right? Like in Italy and England, I think have both only conceded one goal each, right? Uh, no, Italy have conceded two. Okay, Italy have conceded two. two uh, and England Austria have and now Spain. But, but then again, you have to mention for England's one, it's like a worldy free kick. <laughs> like, I know there's complaints about Pickford, but the one goal England have conceded has just been like one of the goals of the tournament. So, yeah, it was 31 yards there. out. It's not. Yeah, it, it was. It's it dipped and it was kick. swerving. People were being a little bit harsh, saying he should have saved it. Warren Barton was like, oh, I should have saved that. I was like, come on, man. Just because you're English, you're calling him out. All the English fans were like, you piece of the, shit. The T-Rex Pickford. arm memes that have been just thrown about everywhere since then. Like, Jesus, guys, you see the power that he got on that. Yeah, but yeah, let's move. Let's move along to the final because uh, Italy, England, Sunday at 3 p.m. I, I think I said on the last pod like this. This would be kind of like that Brazil, Argentina, Copa America final. This would be like the neutrals like go to matchup like Spain are fine. Everyone knows a lot of players on Spain, but they they haven't been the sort of 
best performing team of this tournament in the same way that Italy have been just from start to finish. They have the one sort of hiccup against Austria, but people are kind of able to spin that into, you know, they got through a tough test against like a good upper mid table level Bundesliga side, like, like you mentioned Uh, and, you know, beat a tournament favorite in Belgium. I don't want to say handily, but you know, it was a convincing win. They probably, they deserve to win that game. Yeah. I think they just, just barely uh, and then deserved now it, yeah. with Spain, like another team about their same level in terms of talent, they outlast them in, in a dogfight in the semifinal and they're through to the final. And I think them versus England, the, the effectively the tournament hosts with the final at Wembley, it's like the dream matchup for the neutral, but I'm absolutely shitting myself. Because I think England are going to win it. Yeah, me too. I, I hate I hate that I think this, but I think England with the like I said that Wembley advantage. It's not it's fair, just, but it's what yeah, we've got. And also, just the 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 way that like the referees are going to give them just a little bit more favor. They had like six minutes of extra time, which was like, where yeah. did that come from? Why did they get six minutes of? They, there was like no stoppages, and they were like six minutes of extra time. They just wanted England to win the game, so. They're going to get the same treatment in this final. and But, uh, you know, both Italy and England this time around played 120 minutes in the semifinals. Like, yeah, maybe Italy have a day more. They have a day's more rest. But, you know, this, the finals on Sunday. It's Wednesday. You It's plenty of time. That's a Champions League turnaround for most of these players. So, yeah, I, I don't think the, the tired legs will be a factor in this game at all. The, the Wembley factor has to be talked about because there will be some Italy fans there, just like there were plenty of Denmark fans today. But it's going to be overwhelmingly... Uh, behind England and the familiarity of the stadium will be with England. Uh, but, you know, Italy have had a couple games at Wembley themselves and they've they've won. Like, How much of a chance do you give the Italians? Well, they've hung in there. Like I said, they're probably the, you know, the second best defensive team so far in the tournament. And I think it's going to be really hard for this England team to break them down. I see them playing compact. I think they'll, they'll have plenty of possession because that Phillips-Rice midfield while being England will have possession, you're saying? No, uh, I think Italy will have a lot more possession than they did against okay, Spain. Yeah. That's that's what I'm leaning because towards. Because I think Phillips and Rice, while being just obviously insanely good defensively, they almost don't let any anyone get by them. Like you rarely see any type of attack going through the middle against England. Almost everything has to come from from the wings. Or like they are only goal they conceded was a free kick from 30 yards out. You know that should tell you. They didn't really concede many opportunities against Denmark. I don't see them conceding many opportunities against Italy. I think it's going to be a similar game to the one against Spain, but they're going to have more possession, which in turn, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe they'll be able to create chances. I, I, I think they're going to start Chiesa again from the start, which uh, worked great. I, I, I really liked it. And while Spinazzola was missed in the last game, I think Emerson did a decent enough job, you know, and I think maybe getting a second game in a row might, he might look better in this game because he'll probably gain a little bit of confidence, get a little bit more like match fitness going into the second game. So, and then even when he got tired, they took him off around the 73rd minute and brought on uh, Rafael Toloi from Atalanta, one of their center backs. And then just effortlessly switched to a, to a three at the back with Toloi at right center back. Chiellini left center back and Bonucci in that that middle spot where he played so well for Juventus in that system. I under could, Conte see, them, I could say that maybe even starting that in the final, couldn't you, to like mitigate no, I, the, I think, the attacking threat? I, I think of, they're going to of, of, of England. No, I, I kind of think, think they'll. I I I, I kind of think that might be a good strategy to do because I think but they've never they've never started. A game like that under yeah, but the Mancini. way that, but they've the, stuck with this four three three with the midfield that I mentioned. I know they haven't, but I'm I'm only thinking that way because the way that Harry Kane is the, like he, the 
he's been so important these last two or three games. It, the first couple games he played, he I, I think no one will defend him in saying that he was disappointing in those first couple of games. He just didn't really look like himself. But in these last few games, especially since England got into the knockout rounds, Harry Kane's just been dropping deep. Yeah, he sprung doing, to life. Doing, doing, you know, been on his bullshit, playing through balls, cross balls, getting, not, getting his late runs into the box with shots on target, getting goals, getting penalties. You know he's he's one goal away right now from from tying Golden Boot. You could definitely see him winning the Golden Boot um, if he if he gets a goal or two here in the final. Obviously, so I don't know. I I, I kind of like getting those three center backs from Italy to to kind of mitigate the the threat of Harry Kane and maybe one of them can kind of step up on him or, or maybe in the mid or maybe you. or maybe you make a change in the midfield. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they'll tell Verratti to like man mark Harry Kane and just like wherever Harry Kane goes, like you follow him. Maybe I I, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it, but like but you don't no want you don't want Jorginho. Anyone. Yeah, you don't want Jorginho the, getting dragged out to like have to cover Harry Kane. So I think you you, you assuming, maybe need more cover at the back. I don't know. That's it's it's going to be assuming, it's going to be a, a hard one. See, I'm thinking the complete opposite. I'm thinking, well, I think you kind of mentioned it, that Italy will, they'll they'll control the possession. It'll probably be closer than it was for periods in that, that Spain game where Spain had all of the possession. I'm not saying that Italy or that England will just be sitting back and trying to counterattack only. <clears throat> but I think Italy will have like a sizable chunk of the possession. And the main matchup that you have to look at to, to see whether they're able to do that or not is Mason Mount on Jorginho. And that's assuming that Italy stick with this 4-3-3 with Jorginho at the base, Ferrati dropping in to help, uh, you know, keep possession with him and win the ball back, and Barella bursting through from midfield. Mancini loves that combination, but Mason Mount, I mean, I'm a Chelsea fan, I can, I can tell you, Mason Mount and Jorginho are like two of the best friends on Chelsea. Mason Mount's dad told a great story about he ran into Jorginho's uh, dad at the uh, Champions League final in Porto in the hotel, and he walked up to him, and the guy didn't speak a lick of English. And he just went like, oh, Mason Mount, and showed him like a picture of himself with Mason Mount and said he was his dad. And Jorginho's dad just like lit up and was just like, ah, Jorginho, love Mason, like great player. Like, and, and then they took a picture together, sent it to Mason, and then Mason and Jorginho like had a laugh about it in training or whatever. The two of them are, like, Jorginho is one of like the, the leaders on Chelsea. He's doing the same great, sort great of role story, here Alec. for that Italy. Great story, That was very riveting. I, I mean, I, 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 it's just showing you that these two players, even though they've been playing together for like three like two years now it's not like a super long time but they've they've gone through a lot together mason mount's a hard-working player who's going to be playing centrally and then drifting out to those those either those wings when they're attacking but out of possession it's going to be his responsibility to not man mark Jorginho, but prevent him from getting you know easy sort of uh plays out of the back from the center backs and you know keeping Italy on the ball. I think he'll succeed in doing that. And that's why I think England are going to end up winning. Like Jorginho is a very good player, but Mason Mount, I think has the legs to, to make his day like a living hell on Sunday. So yeah. And I hate and that it's true, Barella, but it's going to happen. Barella was fantastic in the last couple of games as well. I wonder how much of a role he is going to play in this game. Um, I think if you're Mancini, you have to be nervous that if you do have Barella bursting forward, you know, that might leave the, the Italian backline more exposed, especially if they're playing that, you know, that four three three. Which I think if he's if they're not playing that and they're playing five at the back, then he would be the one that would obviously lose his spot. And I think you'd still have like Jorginho and Verratti and Locatelli. For some reason, doesn't seem like Mancini trusts him that much in these big games. I don't know if it's you know he's too young or he doesn't 
see him. Well, because because Barella is younger. Oh, so well, then yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems like he just I, I think it's just loves Barella, he wants yeah. the experience and you know dependability of Jorginho and Verratti, and then he likes the 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 sort of burst of pace and athleticism of Barella and dribbling ability to you know get into the box late and be that sort. We still he's haven't not really gotten, an still gotten a Chiro Mobile game. Do you think like he's going to score in this? Yeah, final? maybe early in the tournament, the the first couple of group games. But yeah, yeah. he's been kind of quiet. He's been kind of quiet since then. I don't know. But if, it doesn't matter. Olivier Giroud won the World Cup. Yeah. without scoring. So if you're in the team and you're contributing and your team's winning, then you're doing okay. I I, I don't I don't mind it to be honest. Your suggestion of a three at the back for Italy, I think that only works if you basically take Shiro Immobile out of the lineup, keep the rest of uh, the lineup basically as is, except with Emerson and Di Lorenzo as wingbacks, and then have Chiesa and Lorenzo Insigne basically as like forwards who can drift wherever they want up See, top. I, I, I would I would love for Italy to do that. I don't think they will, but it's not going to happen. I think if they did, they'd like have, it has they'd, been the whole time. They, they, maybe maybe if they go down, they might change it up, or you know, if they if they're yeah, if they go getting, up, they'll switch to if that they're back getting, three. Yeah, if, if they're getting sieged on, then. Yeah, maybe if they go up. So um, I think I think it's going to be a great tactical battle. I think both of these coaches are two of the better coaches in the tournament. Luis Enrique was also one of them. But I think Southgate, you, you're you not going to... Southgate's one of the better to- like coaches? Like I think so, because... I think he's a good man manager. I don't no, know because, if he's like that. Because I would, I, would give, I would give Southgate credit for some of it's the... Steve Holland. Of some of the work Steve that Holland, he did. Steve Holland, the assistant, is like the tactical guy. He's like his, his Yogi Lowe, and Southgate is like the Jurgen Klinsmann. He, no, but I just, know, I just mean that like at, at a club level... He's 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 had some success. You know what I mean? He's gotten his team to finish fifth in the Premier League. Um, or was it fourth? Uh, th- yeah, like more like which a is which is ago. crazy. Yeah, yeah. But but he's still he's still he still had some sort of pedigree at club level, which a lot of these managers haven't. You had people like Frank De Boer in the tournament as managers, and you know uh, I know that people like. I think Frank De Boer has more managerial experience at club level than uh, Gareth Southgate does. He's just not as good. <laughs> he just got, got. He's just not been good recently. But um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I think that that Mancini is probably the better manager, and he's. I think he's he's the best manager in the tournament. You know, I think. If see, I still think it's Luis Enrique. I still think it's him. I think what he did with the Spain team, the, the fact that they got to the semifinal with this team, still very talented. I was about I, I to think say, that so this is a Spain like, team that you know didn't get out of the group stage in the World Cup. This is also an Italy team that didn't even make it to the last World Cup. For both of them to have gotten to the semifinal and now Italy to the final, to me that's 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 very impressive. Like good turnaround from these these national sides and just shows that the quality of the. That these teams, teams like Italy, like Spain, if they may have like a bad tournament or two, I think you can you can even say this about France, and probably the Dutch, like it's they don't they don't stay bad for long. You know, they may have right. one, they may have two bad tournaments. <laughs> They're always a year away from like but one like, or two yeah, players in key like, positions popping exactly. up. Exactly, they just they they might switch a coach here or there, and suddenly they're they're back to being one of the best teams in the world. So I think that's 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 now the case for Italy, and I think this is probably. I mean, if England go on and win this, which we both kind of think that they're going to do right now, I mean, this is already much more success than the the great England generation. That England generation of like Gerard Lampard, they never got past uh, uh, the quarterfinals, Quarter right? Quarterfinal, yeah. Which is, I mean, that's crazy, right? Now this England team semifinals of of the last World Cup, you know, they're in the final now. I think it shows in the the camaraderie and the you see players like Grealish, like Mount, like Saka, who all play on different teams. I think in the past you would have seen those players still all be on the England team together, but 
kind of maybe not talk to each other, have their own cliques with their own teammates. You don't see that in this. You see Declan Rice, you see Calvin Phillips, like all these young players who right. grew up playing together. Now they're coming it's, through the England team and it's It's important to note while that first golden generation you mentioned felt like trying to fit a bunch of square pegs for into round holes just because they played for big clubs like Chelsea and Manchester United and Arsenal and Liverpool at the time which obviously they they must have learned in the process was not the right way to do things. Now you've got a midfield that consists of a West Ham player and a Leeds player. Uh, You've got a back line of, yes, Manchester United and uh, Manchester City players on each side, but then you've got the Everton goalkeeper behind. You had Tyron Mings play the first two games of the tournament, not look bad at all in Harry Maguire's absence, who plays for Aston Villa as well. And then, of course, you know, Jack Grealish. Uh, you know, it's not just trying to like fit in all of the best players from the top four sides. It's uh, good, you know, man management and. Can, can, you, can, like, can we can we say right now that like not bringing Trent Trent Alexander Arnold has like England has. It's not they didn't that. bring him. They were going to bring him, but yeah. they he got injured. So, yeah, you're I mean, right. You're right. I think that kind of eliminated that question. Like they could have brought him, and he would have been fine to play. But do you that, think that he would have? I was going to say, but do you think they would have not conceded any goals like up until this game if they had Trent playing all the time? I don't think so. I don't th- I think. Probably not. I Who think knows? it would have been a different I mean, England team. He hasn't played Ben Chilwell at all, a Champions League winning like left back, and he's kind of played Reese James here and there who just won the Champions League. So there's no guarantee that Trent Alexander-Arnold would have you know played any more than those two. Uh, we don't know. He has this obsession with Trippier as well that we we don't know that if Kieran Trippier might just pop up at left back in this final game or something. We, we just don't. I mean, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But I'm just saying like Gareth Southgate has been pretty crazy with like sometimes with what lineups he's picked. And usually it leaks about like 30 minutes before it's going to happen. And you've, get, you've got a little bit more time to get used to like what kind of system and, and formation and, and team he's going to play. But um, it's it's kind of up in the air, but I still think they're going to go through because there's enough like players that are you can't take out like Sterling, Kane, Mount. I think you have to play those three. I, I actually don't think you can take Saka out. I really don't. Yeah, I know you think that, but yeah, I mean, maybe don't. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> you I might really just don't start think. Foden. I really don't think you can. He might. I don't. I don't he's know. not going to start. For, you've been saying that every round, and he didn't even put Foden on until extra time. Like, he didn't bring yeah, him on at all in, in regular time. But, I mean, so. he took Saka off after, like, 60 minutes for Grealish. Or, no, it was the uh, 73rd minute, and yeah, he took him 70th off. 70th minute, okay. Yeah, but... Yeah, but, I mean, he took him off. He's not caught... His place isn't solidified just yet, either. We don't know, is what well, I'm going to say. He's, he's so. bi- it's because he's the by far... He's the only teenager in the side. Like, I've, like I was saying in the other thing, like, you have to take him off for, like, older senior players or players with more caps. Right. You can't just leave the youngest player on for, like... It, it, there, it, it's definitely... Obviously, there's some of that in club level, but it's more excusable in club level. In a tournament, you can't like completely because then, like, imagine England don't win that game and he leaves Saka on the whole time. People would have probably crucified him. So, it's also the safe move for Southgate to to put on a more reliable, like, an older player in that sense and say, okay, you know, I'm going to put the experienced player on who to to, to see out the game. Right type for thing. the the pivotal moments of the match. Yeah. Okay. What's your your score prediction for this final? 2-1 England. I don't even think it's that close. I think England go up like 1-0 and then Italy get back into it. And then in the second half, England just take over and win 3-1. 
and I hate that I'm saying that, but they've only conceded two goals this tournament, and I don't see England being that good offensively that they're going to score three times on Italy. Yeah, but I'm I'm coming back around to the Mason Mount Jorginho thing, the familiarity between those two players, and you know the 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 type of players that they both are. I think Mason Mount. Yeah, but this Italy has, team's has the know how and the like, ability to just shut that down. They definitely think that they're just like the team of destiny right now because, I mean, they've they've now won eleven straight Either games. Either team could say that. No, Either team could no, say but that. England won, are at home. Yeah, but they Italy have won eleven straight games. They're beaten in twenty-seven. Like they've conceded two and scored twenty-nine in the last twelve. Like. Uh, that's insane. They've conceded two goals in 12 games, and you're telling me they're about to concede three in one? I don't know about that. I, yep. I was even nervous I don't, predicting I don't like it, Javier. Like, like, I think it might even be like 1-0 England with like a Harry Kane penalty. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because... I hate that, though. But yeah, yeah the finals are always the, worse the than final, the semifinals. Yeah, the finals right. are always cagey as shit. They're never like a ton of goals. And like, if, I'll, if it I'll were say, somehow... I'll say 1-0. Yeah, I'll I'll say one say, nil if England. it were to somehow be 3-1, like, I will that be up. shocked. I will be shocked because... 1-0 England and everyone goes away feeling like shit, except for the English. Ugh. It's going to be weird seeing Harry Kane lift a lift a major trophy, something we've never seen before. All right, let's let's not let's not talk about that before we get there. Um, there's still hope. For, <laughs> there's still hope for Italy. But all right, Alex, Brazil, Argentina, Lionel Messi versus Neymar. The, is arguably, that all this is to you? No, but I'm saying, the two biggest rivals in South America. No, I, I, I was getting there. I was saying these are, but these are like two best friends, like similar to your Jorginho Mason Mount heartfelt love story that you put in there yeah except these two don't have to uh these two don't you know have to like man mark each other they're going to be opposite opposite ends of the pitch trying to do the same thing so i'm saying who's going to have more influence on the game do you think like lionel's been brilliant throughout the tournament neymar has as well they both look you know in great form right now going into this game i think both are going to score or have an assist i i kind of i think that this game has the possibility of of being high scoring um, I think the one thing that worries me for Argentina is Romero, their young center back, is out, injured. And I think Pazella, yeah, Pazella played the last game against Colombia. And I don't know if you watched that game, Alex, but Colombia had a bunch of chances, definitely could have. I did, yeah. Could have won the game. And Pazella ultimately is just not good enough in the back line. I mean, I know that I've said that, like, it's a little bit different. He's he's just not ready. He plays for Fiorentina. It's, he doesn't play for like a top team in Italy and they, they, they well, miss their Emmy Martinez is doing a lot of heavy lifting Emmy at Martinez, the moment for Argentina. Exactly. And while I am a big fan of the midfield support and uh, I thought Lataro Martinez um, and Nico Gonzalez did really well with Lionel and, and honestly Argentina had a bunch of chances as well. I mean, it, Lataro had a couple of one V ones that he messed up and I know he got the goal in the end and, you know, scored penalty his penalty, shootout, yeah. yeah, and scored his penalty. So, uh, your 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 boy Diaz played really well as well in that game. It, it was a fun game. It, it, it's these South American Luis games. Diaz, yeah, he had a great goal. Yeah, these South American games. There's a lot of fouls, a lot of drama, and I think it's it's going to be the same in this final. And I want I want Lionel to win. Obviously, I want him to get his trophy so people can shut up about him not having an international trophy. Um, even though I don't think it's like the end all be all, I just want him to to get it because yeah, it, 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 he he deserves it. He deserves it, and I think this Brazil team have just been kind of squeaking by. Um, I know that they dominated in the group stages, but they haven't looked the imperious Brazil that I expected them to be. And but they, they don't they don't play like that. They basically 
play like they want to give the opposition a chance. And when the opposition exposes themselves, they want to, you know, take advantage of that. And like, if you're going to tell me that Nahuel Molina, the right back from Udinese, who's like 23 years old, or Gonzalo Montiel from River Plate, if you're telling me one of those two right backs is going to play well enough to, to keep Neymar quiet, I'm going to tell you you're, you're a liar. No, nah, they're kidding not. Yourself. Hey, we, need, we need a Martinez god is what we need. We need Martinez to have the... Uh, w- w- did did, you, did Martinez, you see yeah. him? Yeah, Emmy Martinez. Did you see him talking shit to all the Colombian players? He was just like every single one of them to Yerimina. He's like, ah, Yeri, like I've seen you in the Premier League. <laughs> I know how you take Lionel your penalty. Messi telling Yeri Mina to like, dance, dance now, now after he missed. Yeah, he's like, dance now, bitch. <laughs> I was like, okay, Leo. <laughs> you got a little shit talk in you. Good for you. Yeah, well, okay. I'm certainly not counting Argentina out. They obviously have a chance, but... I think it will be kind of. But the fact that it'll it's be kind of Brazil, like the Spain Italy game where yeah. Argentina will have the control like Spain did, but I think Brazil will have just enough like experience and know how and you know their, their backline is still amazing. You know Marquinhos, Thiago yeah, Silva is still playing really well. What's his name? Uh, Renan Lodi from uh, Atletico Madrid at left back. Uh, you know Fred may not be the most impressive player in midfield, and that's a question we've asked before. But uh, they they don't. They don't want a ton of possession. They want the game to be chaotic and open for Neymar and Gabriel Jesus and Firmino and Richarlison to have all the space to take advantage of. And it works for them in these tournaments. I don't know if it works for them in, in the World Cup where, uh, you know, European teams can, you know, keep a little bit more control on the game and limit Brazil's chances themselves. But Argentina, I think, will get kind of sucked into the the, the, the trap a little bit. And I think Brazil win like 3-2. I agree with you. I think it's going to be uh, an exciting high-scoring game. Saturday night at 8 p.m. too. Primetime Saturday. I'll say, I'll say 2-1 Argentina. Right before Conor McGregor in the I think, UFC. I think Lionel does it. I think... I I just... Even though I don't think Richarlison's... I, I think it's going to be Richarlison, Paqueta, Gabriel Jesus, Neymar, the front four, which, I mean, that is a filthy front four. Um, and then Casemiro, Fred in the midfield, and then Lodi, Thiago Silva, Marquinhos, Danilo, backline. I don't know. I don't know. I'm. I just think Lionel does it. I think he has a monster performance and gets like a goal and an assist, and they win two one. Okay. Uh, That's more of a hopeful. We'll give, a, give a little mention hopeful, to your uh, prediction. I would not bet. Give any a little money mention it, to your your Peru Colombia third place playoff. I don't know why yeah. you guys have a third place playoff. I think it's on That's Friday, Friday at eight p.m. Yeah. You guys already beat Colombia in the group stage of this tournament. Do you think you pull it off again this time, or do you think he uses it as sort of a uh, a friendly of sorts. I mean, I don't really care. Yeah, I think it's just going to be a friendly. I don't really care if we win or lose, so I don't even know if I'm going to watch it, but hopefully Peru win. It's, I don't know why they do these third place games. The players probably... <laughs> even in the World Cup, even in the World Cup, it seems kind of asinine. It seems like, why do we yeah, need this? Yeah, it does. All right. Well, it's a hell of a weekend of uh, football for everyone to look forward to, uh, and then we'll have the Olympics a week or so after that. God bless all of the uh, players, like the Spain players. I think they have six of them that are were on this Euros team that are going to go to Tokyo for the Olympics, if we still have an Olympics, uh, based off how COVID's uh, developing in Japan. Um, but that, that'll that be an insane summer for those players. But uh, look forward to the Olympic tournament a little bit. Uh, Javier, thanks for jumping on this pod with me. You can follow us on social media, at ASMOS92 for my Twitter and Instagram, at JavierRev9 for Javier's Twitter at Ghost Skull Pod for the podcast socials. I'm going to start uh, 
repeating again. Uh, if you enjoy the pod, you enjoy listening, go to uh, Apple Podcasts or the uh, or iTunes and look up Ghost Skull Pod and leave us a rating and a, uh, a comment uh, that will help the visibility of the pod for new listeners to discover it. I feel like we need to get back on that grind. We haven't been quite trying to develop the listener base as much as uh, we did maybe in the, the initial years. Uh, so yeah, anything you yeah, can do to help the pod would be greatly that. appreciated. So thanks for listening to the pod. Enjoy the football this week. And until next time, see you.